Hey y'all, and welcome to The Podluck, serving up bite-sized tastes of the best theology. I'm your host, Megan Westra. Grab a plate and let's dig in. Megan Westra. We are here uh, almost at the end of the preseason of season one, talking about different ways that people have thought about how far-reaching or exclusive or universal salvation is as we ground ourselves in the conversation for season one, uh, which is going to seek to answer the question, what does it mean to be saved? So today on our plate, is the idea of Christian universalism. So I first want to say that there are different thoughts within um, within theology around universalism. There's Christian universalism. There's like a Unitarian universalism. I'm going to stick to Christian universalism because that's what I'm most familiar with. So again, as always, not meant to be an exhaustive look at things, but also wanting to acknowledge that there are a variety of ways in which people approach universalism, and I'm going to just talk about a teeny tiny piece of it. So in a nutshell, universalism is a belief that all people will ultimately be saved or reconciled to God or the divine, regardless of their religious affiliation or non-affiliation. So this concept or this idea kind of got shoved into the mainstream of Christian conversation in the United States anyway, uh, back in the early 2000s when Rob Bell uh, released a book called Love Wins. Maybe you heard of it. Uh, if you were at all close to any sort of evangelical circles or progressive circles around the year 2000 and I think it was around 2010 maybe I feel like it was my senior year of college um then you probably heard a little bit about it uh, including his uh, dismissal from any further conversations so it was an intro for many people for better or for worse Bell doesn't really say anything earth-shattering in that book uh, he doesn't really add anything new to the conversation. He just repackages ideas that people have had for a long time. So if you've read Loved Ones, it's not really as earth-shattering as some people made it out to be. If you haven't, it is actually a helpful introduction uh, to the conversation, I think. Um, so some Christian universalists will appeal to an observation that in Scripture, God's wrath or punishment or judgment is often refining and restorative or transformative in some way, not punitive and certainly not uh, eternal. So, for example, if we follow the trajectory of the Hebrew scriptures um, or the Old Testament, Israel is exiled for her unfaithfulness to the covenant. But even in exile, the prophets foretell a coming restoration. Uh, God doesn't uh, allow anger to go on forever and ever and ever. But there are things that need to be moved out of the way or are corrected uh, so that the people are faithful um, to the way that God uh, intends for them to live. 
So uh, other possibilities, other ways of looking at this in Scripture is in John 3, 17, which follows the ever-famous verse 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that one. The verse right after that says that God did not send God's Son into the world to condemn it, but so that the world might be saved through him. In John 12, Jesus says that all people will be drawn unto himself. And then in 2 Peter 3, 9, um, the, the writer of that epistle says that God desires that none should perish. So there are places in Scripture where we can see evidence for a case um, toward universalism and toward uh, universal reconciliation. Early church father Origen, who lived from 185 to 254 AD, writes this, Our God is a consuming fire in the sense in which we have taken the word. And thus he enters in as a refiner's fire to refine the rational nature, which has been filled with the lead of wickedness and to free it from the other impure materials, which adulterate the natural gold or silver, so to speak, of the soul. Our belief is that the word Christ shall prevail over the entire rational creation and change every soul into his own perfection. For stronger than all the evils of the soul is the word, that is Christ, and the healing power that dwells in him. And this healing he applies according to the will of God to every man, end quote. So what Origen is saying here is that just like uh, metal is refined, that, that humanity is also refined. And that's how God's judgment works is as a refining fire, not a fire which burns up or consumes, just one that purges the dross away. Uh, another figure in church history, although much more recent, uh, Karl Barth, uh, who was a German theologian and generally considered uh, to be a very significant figure. When I took 20th century theologians in undergrad, my professor quipped that it should have just been titled Karl Barth and some other guys. Uh, so I We'll leave that to you uh, to decide how you feel about Bart. Uh, but Bart, when he was looking at the Apostles' Creed, uh, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, uh, so on and so forth. If you're not familiar with the Creed, um, you could do a quick search. Uh, but when he was considering the Creed, he said, We do not have to believe in hell and in eternal death, because hell isn't mentioned in the Creed. That's my note, not Bart. Uh, back to Bart. I may only believe in the resurrection and in the judgment of Christ, the judge and advocate who has loved me and defended my cause. So Bart focused on the love and the advocacy of Christ, that Christ is the mediator, um, and said that because hell and judgment or hell and eternal death are not mentioned in the creed, that they're not necessary for our faith. Moltmann, uh, who was a contemporary, uh, Jürgen Moltmann, another German theologian, suggests that Christ overcoming death certainly includes overcoming hell, and that universal salvation is just the human aspect of Christ's universal rule and reign. So because in the resurrection and ascension, Christ is over and above all, has overcome all evil and death and sin and all of that, right, hearkening back to this Christus Victor understanding of salvation, 
then the way that humans interact with that or are a part of that is universal reconciliation, but that's only a small part of Christ's rule and reign. At its best, universalism encourages hope and a steady commitment, trusting that all people may be redeemed. It centralizes the love of God and the grace of God and helps us reimagine power outside of the exploitative, domineering frame that we often think of power in. It allows for an ethical tr- ethical core driven out of love and not fear because perfect love drives out fear, right? The challenge of universalism, similar to the challenge of pluralism, is that universals must take care not to gloss over distinctions and differences. Just because all shall be made well, just because all shall be redeemed, doesn't mean that we should stop working for the redemption of the world, the inbreaking of the kingdom of God in the here and now. If Christ has indeed overcome hell and death, if, as Origen notes, that God's refining fire purges the dross from our lives, then what are those things which are overcome or purged away by Christ? What are the moral mandates that still exist? A universalist understanding of salvation should not be an excuse for neglecting to wrestle with the ethical questions of our embodied lives in the here and now. And, and just to be clear, I don't think that most universalists do this. I think that there's a lot of wonderful ethical thinkers um, who are also universalists. And so I think that it's a mischaracterization. Um, but it's something that I want to call forth in the conversation because I know that that's a concern that some people have. So uh, Christian universalism its one way of understanding how far-reaching this salvation is, often grounded in scripture, Um, and often uh, appealed to uh, throughout the course of theological history, uh, throughout uh, the the course of it. So from origin to uh, more recent theologians. Uh, Hans Urs von Balthasar wrote about a hopeful universalism. Not quite sure if he could make a case for it on his own, but that we should hope for. We should hope that universalism is true, even if we can't make a complete case for it. Um... People also wondered about Lewis, who I quoted last time in the pluralism episode. Uh, but people also were like, wrestle with and grapple with and um, posit, I mean, because Lewis can't speak for himself at this point, but you know, did Lewis espouse universalism? And there's lots of different viewpoints on that. Um, I think that you can read Lewis's Great Divorce, um, and you certainly he makes a, a suggestion toward it. I would actually start there. If you haven't read anything on universalism, don't read Love Wins first. Read The Grace Divorce. And even if you're not sure about universalism at all, you should just read The Great Divorce. It's one of the best books ever, in my opinion. So this has been The Podluck. I'm your host, Megan Westra. To make sure that you don't miss an episode of The Podluck, please make sure that you have subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. To help other people find The Podluck, please leave a review or a rating. Written reviews would be awesome. We don't have any of those yet. You could be the first. Be very cool. I could even send you a sticker. Um, Yeah, just tweet at me and let me know if you've left left a written review. To support the Podluck, please visit our Patreon page. For as little as a dollar a month, you can get access to a Slack channel where we are discussing this and other episodes. I have a feeling that the conversation is about to get really good. Join the conversation in public forums or share episodes on social media using at Podluck Podcast or on Instagram using at the Podluck Podcast. 
podcast. This has been the Podluck. There's one more episode in our preseason where I'm going to be talking about just how we are going to approach all these things and why it's important to get jello salad on your plate sometimes, even though it's hella weird. So join us next time for the final episode of the preseason. We dig in.